All right, my dog needs a hug. Give me a second, All everybody. Right. Come on. Come on up here, get a hug. We're so on top of it today. Bring it in, buddy. Come on. No? You don't? Oh, you want to smooch. Okay. How's that? Okay, I gotta go back to work. All right, so. experience <laughs> we're a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games we are queer women speaking with authority about games and yes we swear die about, die about, about it. it who are you i'm ray i'm an industry professional uh, i write game fiction i write game narrative i've started to break into systems doing a little bit of crunch a little bit of design you know i write characters and i did a lot of work on essence and i'm still still on that essence train still on that essence hype train can't wait for y'all to get it that i mean i think that's it i think that's my whole life in like 10 seconds okay i'm monica i'm also an industry professional i have a curriculum vitae as long as a cvs receipt that's great honestly uh, so we have a couple announcements up top we would just like to shout out all our patrons who are new or uh, bumped up their pledges. That includes Raphael Cortat, Simon Radecki, Samuel Tobin, Daguerreotype, Gabriel Cortat, Amy Waller, Neil Price. Yeah, that Neil Price. He's now a patron of this show. Hi, Neil. M, Joseph Slade, and Claire Weaver, our very first certified Margaret. Just a reminder that you too can also become a certified Margaret and have the world's worst certificate made for you for the cost of a mere 20 United States dollars. Yeah, today we're doing our new season four thing where we are buying independent games and reading them. Today is special because we are also doing it live, so it'll be a mess. Yep. <laughs> what do you mean it will be a mess? It's already... <laughs> well, we haven't even started the review part. We're going to talk about what we liked and didn't like, what we were impressed by, and our feelings, but we encourage all our listeners to go buy the game and check it out for themselves. Don't just let our opinion shape what you think. I'm uh, still trying to do the resolution reading part here. This is going to... Okay. Have you gotten that far? Can oh, you tell I, I me read about it. it? I read it last Great. night. Great. Okay. So I mean, I, I skimmed it last night, so... Oh, no. I just wanted to make sure <laughs> this that... This is another like, one of those, like, okay, our, our episode on The Man in the Stag hasn't come out yet, yep. but we ended it with basically the agreement that we need to do an AP of it. So I think... And I'll, I've already, like, from what I've read of this, of... We're doing Gun and Slinger today. Um what I've already read of Gun and Slinger, I'm like, I have, we have to do an AP of this. <laughs> so I think there's going to be like this collection of off season episodes that drop in like six months that are just us playing these games that we could like kind of half read and go, wow, this looks really good. Yeah. So this is actually not, this is our second game. It's Gun and Slinger. It's by Nevin Holmes. Their website is nevin.games. That's cool. Nevin.games. It's a hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also have an, an itch because everybody's got an itch. It was not in the, the credits at the front. He did a Kickstarter for Gun and Slinger. It was funded in three hours. <laughs> Raised almost $30,000. Nice. Um, which is why we also have, in addition to the 80-page Gun and Slinger PDF at the very end, there's the stretch goals, which are these additional people wrote basically expansions for the system. Yeah, one of them is a demon. Yeah, 
One of them is demon. Then there's sword and bearer and mech and pilot. Like yeah. I'm so into all of these fucking things. So for that. we're at, it's a two player storytelling game, which I also forgot to, that's, that's still Wee. the man in the stag description, but it's pretty similar. Actually. This it's is a, still a two. Well, it can be, it's it can be two three player three. because you can have a GM or you right. can not have a GM. And there is right. a like how to play it with one or without one option, which I think is really cool, but we'll get into that when yeah. we talk about how we play. Yeah. Um, so this is more or less a two player storytelling game. And it also uses a deck of cards, just like our last review, which is used in a more traditional game, figuring out whether you will succeed or fail type way, as opposed to a pacing mechanic from our last game. The cool thing about this one is that you actually play a game of Go Fish, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is really cool. And we will talk about that more in detail. Again, like with Man and the Stag, there was a crowdfunding campaign for this. There was Kickstarter, like Ray said, and we also missed that. We're on top of things. Yeah, we just barely (laughs) missed. Yeah, we know what? I'm busy. <laughs> I got stuff to do. Let's talk about what the game is about because you were we? losing your mind over I love it cuz this, this this setting game actually comes with setting. Oh yes, it does. And it's yes. not like 60 pages of lore setting, but I thought it was pretty interestingly detailed. It actually gave setting the way I particularly like setting to be presented where it's just like this is the gist and we're not going to tell you anything specific. Yeah, it it basically gives you, like, the launch point. When I first read the... The description is, A maestro and two players, gun and slinger, set out into a dead planet, mutated by a god's forgotten child, and hunt strange bounties, investigate the world, unlock hidden powers. During play, they seek to learn the nature of what's hunting the slinger, figure out why the gun is sentient, and discover how the world died. In that first paragraph, I was like, this is giving me major Dark Tower feels, And The Dark Tower is one of my absolute favorite book series. I don't read a whole lot anymore, given that I have a lot of issues. But I did manage to just devour The Dark Tower about six or seven years ago. Um, Even with the horrible ending in mind and all the really strange media treatments it's gotten, I love The Dark Tower. The fact that there is a very weird game about being just a lone slinger with a gun is just oh it's so up my alley i fucking love it so interestingly enough they cite nausicaa valley of the wind which i really fucking like that's probably my favorite miyazaki movie legend of zelda breath of the wild trigun which i totally see oh yes yes uh, pitch black which i'm also like oh, okay i get it yeah okay 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 subnautica mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. outer wilds yes as subnautica the touchstones for, for this game Subnautica for that like alien feel and how, just how strange and lush everything is. Okay, now we're all getting Dark Tower in the in the channel. Yeah. You guys got it. Uh, I was actually anyway. really surprised that Dark Tower was not referenced. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if this it, has it, intense Dark Tower vibes. It, well, once once you get past the initial hook, it does diverge a bit because this isn't about like a hub universe that all other universes like expand off of. It's about this one lone, almost uh, Blades in the Dark kind of a, kind of a broken setting of this is the end of the world. There are no other worlds than these. I love weird westerns, and I love especially that while this setting goes into detail on how the world is twisted and what specifically stands out, like the fact that there's this huge fucked up pale blue moon in the sky like always visible and you know creatures are weird and bioluminescent and they're and they're just wrong in some way they have a whole page dedicated to this is not a western 
genre story. This is not about trying to control the wilderness or fighting back against the other. It, it is about like solitude and struggling to survive, but it's not like there's a scarcity of resources. It's if, it's not like there's invasions and you are the invader. It, and it's, I don't know. They, they, they even dedicate a few paragraphs to you know, this participate in the Western genre every day. This is all because of American colonialism's brutal expansion. And then they thank the individual nations uh, whose land we currently live on for allowing us to even like be here <laughs> such as they can, acknowledging their original like custodianship of the land. And, you know, I'm always fucking, fucking into that. So it's a whole page based on like, this is about fighting bigotry. This is not about fighting someone for being different from you. This is not about trying to tame the wilderness. But it does focus on how stark and beautiful and dangerous the world can be and what what you need to do to survive. Not so much in the bad sense of like, you know, kill them all, but like, how do you cooperate? How do you work together? How do you fix what's broken? This strikes me as both sort of deconstructing almost the idea of like, the Dark Tower or like the Western and then marrying it back in with the Space Western, which is maybe I'm wrong and I'm happy to be wrong, but Space Westerns aren't necessarily about conquering the other. No, because there like, generally isn't an other. Right. So when you get to the Space Western, it's really more about like the aesthetics of the Western, the emptiness of the landscape, the strangeness, yeah. the sort of being an outsider in a place that didn't belong to anyone anyway. Right. Yeah. Like, the, the, the solitude, the sort of lawlessness, like there isn't there isn't a presence here beyond what the community creates. And so, like, when you have the Space Westerns that are done thoughtfully also have like what would normally be cast as the other also in the same, like, well, nobody lives here. We are all in this weird lawless place. Shit happens, right? Like, right. And so then you almost get like community themes. And so I feel like it took the idea of like the gunman with the big iron on his hip from that part of the Western and then cut that out and then pasted it back into the space Western without the baggage. Right, right. Or at least in an attempt to acknowledge the baggage, but not include it. So I, I think it does a pretty good of doing that. I love stories of isolation and survival. And I love stories that center how, how beautiful and dangerous the land can be. Which is part of why Gun and Slinger stands out to me so much. Is that it's it's focusing on that. And also it's like this isn't, isn't going to be about like killing aliens or whatever your greatest dangers might come from like these twisted creatures it's sort of for those of you who've been listening to systematic understanding of everything it's sort of like the wild there's something in the world now called the twist that's just sort of making things wrong it's kind of making it weird or chaotic or literally twisting things so you have twisted lands where you know things are floating or there's really improbable canyons or waterfalls falling up. Uh, but then you also have creatures that shouldn't exist, like bears that are way bigger than they should be. And they have bioluminescence and, you know, like really scary shit when it's just <laughs> you and a gun. And then on top of all that, they have the kind of the only word I can think of to describe this is really a terrible word, but it, it's the kind of technology that exists at multiple levels. Like they even have like, like uh, illustrations here. The book itself is gorgeous, by the way. Like there's you, a you, lot of, you want to old... talk about like simple or basic technology, right? At differing levels of right. Like there's a lot of pre-industrial. There's even some post-industrial, very few complex machinery. 
Right. The the book itself is is really pretty. It's got a really great mix of hand sketched drawings and then like woodblock prints or the old style like ink stipple drawings with these like beautiful bold font faces. So it's it it really evokes the setting in a gorgeous way. I, the layout is beautiful. So let's talk about how we actually play this game because as I mentioned up top, you play go fish, which I think is <laughs> you play go fish. Really there's a great charming. there's a great mixture of of some of the mechanics that were popularized in Powered by the Apocalypse system where you basically have fronts here there there are factions and threats that you keep track of. There are a few very basic moves and agendas. And then there's like lists of questions. Like when you visit a new town, name it and answer these three questions. What's the weather like? How are the roads? How does the town stay afloat? And when characters meet a new person, you name them and answer the questions. What are their pronouns? What's their worry? And what's their need? I love how Powered by the Apocalypse has kind of changed our consciousness when it comes to designing these things. Because instead of like some unnecessary like skill resolution in order to provide these details to a player and take up all this time when you really need them to know it. You can just be like, you're here. You can ask me these questions and I'll tell you because they need to know for the story. But it also feeds the story themes itself. The questions that you can ask are specifically, what's their worry and what's their need? Those are the things that the game wants you to focus on. Anyway, go fish. Yeah. So let me just sort of go over this page. This is doing things in resolution, which is go fish modified to be an RPG resolution mechanic. So when a player wants to do something, you're not going to call for a check like in any good game unless the chance of failure will be interesting, right? Right. So when you, when you reach that situation, the person running the game can request a check. The player then asks either the, the maestro or the other player if they have any particular card. So like, hey, gun, do you have any fives? Which is literally <laughs> playing Go Fish. And that's the actual example is yeah. written. The player who is asked must answer truthfully if they have any cards at that, ba- that value, and they are handed to the petitioner. If not, the asker draws a card from the deck. If at any point someone's hand contains a pair, two cards of any match value, it is set face down on the table in front of them. The maestro does not make pairs, keep all their hands cards. This area is called their cache, and pairs remain here until used. Players may peek at their own pairs whenever, but not anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Okay. After the player making the check requests a card and either receives or draws one, the maestro reveals the check's difficulty and cost. This is an easy check, doing it costs four. And then the player either pays the cost with a pair, requests a bargain, or accepts a failure. So the yeah, cost yeah. and when it happens is up to the GM. They should rely on situational context and their judgment for determining when a check is appropriate. So that's like basic GMing 101. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, we don't know if you could do this, or right. there's pressure on you to do this, or failing or succeeding would be interesting. Interesting, right? And those are literally the three suggestions they provide. Important notes about pairs. A pair has its single value card. A, For example, a pair of tens is worth 10. Total value paid is the pair's value plus your relevant stats. So we'll get into the stats which is on the next page, you can exceed rather than pay, than exactly pay the cost. So like if you need a five to succeed, you can pay with an eight and that's fine. Yeah, okay. Higher is always better. I like this idea for, I've seen card mechanics before, which are just like you draw cards and that's your hand and then you pay from there. But the, the whole playing go fish thing kind of emphasizes the teamwork and community involved mm-hmm. because you can use each other's hands, which I like. I like it. So then you have stats, which are basically like fate aspects. <laughs> 
because they're like they're they're story based because the, the the gun has embodiment of magic sharp for a gun and just a little bit mean and the slinger has i've been around good in a fight and light on my toes which are all ways that describe them but then you assign them a value like you do with pbta or any other game that has stats with a value I love when people do this for their stats instead of trying to just do here's a bunch of nouns and verbs. It's like, no, nah, you can you yeah. can define your own stat. So the stat, like any other stat in any other game, modifies the value of a pair. So if you are making a check for being sneaky and the slinger goes light on their toes and that's your highest stat at plus three, and the GM says this is eight and you have a pair of fives and that's your highest, well guess what? Now it's eight. That's pretty fucking easy. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so on top of that, they have they have moves, right? You got your heal move. You got your help move. Then there's a move called blind pay, where you place a single card from your hand face down, and then both the players reveal it and combine their value. A blind pay's difficulty is calculated as follows. The maestro sets a difficulty based on the ranges below and flips the deck's top card, the modifier, adding it to the blind pay's total. <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> i don't know it's, there i mean the fact that it's a that it's a a weird west and they found ways to put like a card game and light elements of gambling into it is very fun <laughs> i like it very much <laughs> you use the blind pay basically as blind pays are always used when players attempt to shoot something but the maestro can always call for one for simultaneous gun and slinger actions so if you are like both acting at the same time or you're trying to make a sh like a shot on something you use your blind pay yes then can i talk about this drawing here of this like very fancy person with an axe i yeah and, like a little like mustache and i this think is they're supposed drawing. to be face cards are these face cards is that a jack i love it i believe it is because i love the it. jack usually have like a little a weapon yes yeah so fancy the explanation of how to do it without a GM, which I believe is how you play the game, period, when you don't have a GM. Like, I believe it's all blind pay. Because okay. I didn't see a, a, an explanation oh, on, the, on the previous page of how to run the game without one. Okay. So blind play is how you do it without a GM. Then there's face moves. Okay, we're in new, we're in new territory. I haven't seen... I didn't get this far because I was doing my homework at the last minute. <laughs> without a GM... The duo wants to shoot a twist spider rushing from the tree line. One flips the deck's top card, revealing a three, difficulty 18 to 21. When they flip the deck's top card, a five, which is added to whatever the duo... Then they flip the deck's top card, a five, which is added to whatever the duo plays. Accounting for this, each player plays a single face-down flip uh, and then flips them simultaneously, a seven and an ace. Seven plus eight plus five plus modifier equals 23, or 13... If you're doing aces high or aces Oh, right, right, right. If you're doing aces high versus all right. They either bust or fail, failing to shoot the sp to spider either way, which lunges at them. So that's... Mm, mm, mm. Interesting. Okay, so there's bargains. If you lack a pair, can't pay at check's cost, you can do a bargain. Uh... Which is... Okay, which face, just moves, face moves. Bargains just are hard, mo are, are hard bargains from one of the Apocalypse World games. Face cards don't make pairs. They do like like special thing they do special moves basically a king is something you can use to succeed at any check including another player's a queen is a card that allows you to pair it with any other card it's basically a wild card the jack lets you draw three new cards aces let me see paying with one is a major success with an added effect you can either gain extra insight pose a new question you can gain the upper hand or you can just gain an extra, like a remarkable success. 
And then anytime you run out of cards, you draw three. You just get to have like an extra three. Yeah. I like the face moves. <laughs> I like that so much. It's very cool. This is just a very clever system of resolution. I like it a lot. Clever, very clever use of a card deck. Uh, so then it goes into a, a little bit about combat and action, basically telling you you don't need a map for this, which like I wouldn't have even thought to do that, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> You just you just move around based on the fiction, which also, like, I don't know why you would muddy that up. Unless you're someone who really, really needs a visual aid. Some people do. In which case, get a cowboy mini. Cool. Have fun. You get to avoid death if you like. You can always just accept a twist to your character instead of dying. Yeah. Basically have, like, three strikes called scrapes where you get you get nicked. And then when that happens, you actually get injured. If you get seriously injured twice, you are dead. But you don't have to stay dead, like Randy no, was just talking about. Because you have you have a track that uh, tr- you have a twist track, and every time you would die, you could instead take a twist. There's examples, but there's no hard and fast rules. It can go like, oh, you gain a cat, you gain cat ears. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a cat boy. You could have a cursed arm now like your arm is all like fucked up like in princess mononoke there's rules for bartering there's rules for your tools and trinkets more flavor really yeah it's it was neat. like the the equipment this like tools and trinkets mostly just seemed to me like cool stuff you could find there's a whole chapter on storytelling thank you yeah, so much here's all. how to play the game i particularly like the setup questions you know i'm a big fan of those so I'm also interested in like so you you have these you have two players one of you plays the the slinger the actual person and the other of you plays the gun, which I'm interested in the fact because the gun is always important in in westerns it is technically a character of its own, but they've actually made it sentient in this game the gun is a playable character. That's you, very Seven Blades in Black. And it, and it even like like acknowledges you're trapped in in a body that isn't your own. You don't have any arms or legs, but you're not completely helpless without the slinger because you are magical you can interact with mundane and supernatural things you can talk to inanimate objects move physical things gauge people's emotions you can also move by blinking which is not always accurate which is you flip the desktop card and then it determines how many feet you teleport that is so like everything about this is so (laughs) serious and then i think about a gun with a famous comedian's voice just deciding it's gonna try to go somewhere and then it gets teleported and then is just stuck between two crates and like that's the plot of the episode and that makes me laugh like really hard and just takes twitching me furiously like right. a Bethesda bug yeah and that <laughs> takes me kind of out of it entirely I'm like everything about this is so like heavy and serious and this like beautiful dark fantasy and then and then the gun is stuck between two crates for a whole episode and is mad like <laughs> 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 I mean that's very good. <laughs> As the gun you're connected to like magic and shit and there is still things you can do and I like So the character sheet is cool. Oh um, yeah, the it, character it sheet's fucking gorgeous. With the initial stats, it's got your track, your connection to magic is flavored by your spirit. You get to choose an ability for your gun as you play the gun you can be an agent of trickery you can be an agent of fury or you can be an agent of peace (laughs) which i like i'm not laughing because i think it's silly i'm laughing because i love it so much (laughs) (laughs) i am a peacemaker 
Oh, fuck. Oh, also, there's a big old, like, big, bold text. You cannot be fired unless you and the slinger agree. So just in fiction, imagining being the slinger and in possession of this gun and trying to fire it, and the gun just says no. (laughs) I love that. The slinger, you're like a dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're the guy. Here, you read the slinger part. I got so into the gun part. You are a wanderer without a home. You are always seeking something, um, but you are also being hunted by a strange, horrifying creature the twist designed, uh, which you personally may not know right away, but the thing that hunts is after you and you alone. So the slinger personally is being targeted by something that is pursuing them through the entire game. So you are both this exceptional badass and also a marked target, which is pretty fucking cool. Yes. (laughs) Yes, God. Special things that the slinger gets is that you have a sense others don't. What is it? Uh, And the suggested ones are a sense for weather, a sense for magic, or a sense for evil. Surely you could make something else up. And I think you get new ones as you level up, as you play through the game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. An ancient word is etched into your mind. What is it? And this gives you something that reflects, predicts, and aids you. Uh, Use it by gaining one twist. A word of guidance, a word of hiding, a word of courage, a word of fear, a word of rage, or a word of hope, which are all the suggested ones. And then you have a couple special abilities, and all of which are kind of luck-based. So the gun is magical. The slinger is lucky. Yeah. 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 I love it so much. Yeah. Um, so advancement is called braids. You gain braids by failing a check, by the maestro just giving them out to you as they see fit, and by answering questions at the end of a session. I think that's another PBTA yep move basically where you you know, oh did you you basically uh, did you fulfill the themes of this game and of your characters cool you get advancement points for that it looks like braids are both exegetic and diegetic because they talk about like some characters wear their braids some characters like manifest them more as like a spiritual thing like braids are both physical and magical which i kind of like you can spend braids as advancement to gain trinkets to declare a new fact about the surrounding world. Dramatic edit. The gun specifically can spend braids to strengthen their connection. So if they want to have more of a agency, I guess, more ability to affect the world around them, they get the braid or they spend braids there. The slinger spends braids to gain new senses, raise their twist capacity, remove twist marks, or discover a new word or upon which they like etch into their brain or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's got some more good GM rules, which very much seem PBTA inspired, which is just, it's just good. It's just The maestro has different face moves. It doesn't really go into how to play it without one. It just says that you can. The rest of it is GM advice. And then, then it goes right into the expansions. (gasps) They use the jokers as pacing tools. Ooh, nice. The jokers represent what's hunting the players. When the Joker is played, the thing that hunts enters the current scene. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Oh, well, that's I like really that it, neat. I like that it directly calls it out as a pacing tool. Nice. That's really cool. The thing that hunts oh. is like a TV show's big bad threat. If it shows up every episode, it's increasingly harder to make the major threat actually mean anything to the audience. It's another tool and a very strong one at that, so use it mindfully. What good fucking advice. Man, this is a good book. I guess you just use blind pay to play the game without one without a GM, uh, and that you just collaboratively use the GM moves. As, as much as this could be, it, it looks like you could play this without a GM with a couple of tweaks, 
but I don't know that I would have trouble finding a third person for this game. Yeah, I don't know like, either. <laughs> yeah, this is cool as fuck. <laughs> it's pretty easy to find a GM for this, I think. So after this are the the three expansions. There's um, the demon where you play. Let's... It's demon and possessed. You, there's a demon, and then the person the demon is possessing. There's then there's sword and bearer where one of you plays the sword, the yep. other of you plays sword bearer. Hey, who would have thought? There's even a little bit more setting with this one. Cool. Yeah, this comes with a, a, a place called the city. City. Yeah. Okay, Sword and Bear goes into a lot more detail. This is like a reskin, basically. Yeah. Then there's Mech and Pilot. I've been waiting for this. Look at this flavor. Oh, it's beautiful. Mech and Pilot yeah. completely oh. changes the book's layout. It looks so good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mech and Pilot obviously takes place in space instead of a weird sort of dark fantasy. It also comes with a, a new setting. It's really yes. fucking pretty. Oh, my God. This this drawing of the mech here has real big Star Driver energy. This is just I'm sorry. This is now me just like going, wow, oh cool, wow. Mech and pilot is beautiful. Oh shit. Oh shit. It's got a Thoriana all over it. Choose a protocol. Merlin protocol. Galahad protocol. Mordred protocol. Fucking great. Oh my god. The strength of your god code. Is H listening? H H. Get in on this. <laughs> heart machine six million gods and devils you draw you, you impose your will upon the god code drawing upon its strength <laughs> i love it so much oh this is really good <laughs> oh my god Rain needs all a right y'all this is a really beautiful book really thoughtful mechanics really thoughtful approach to the western genre I love the resolution system. I love the expansions. Like, Demon looks like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you both play, like, the same body, but you're two different. Yeah, that's neat. And then Sword and Bear's like, yeah, okay, cool. There's a city. That's neat. I honestly would purchase this just for Mech and Pilot. I don't mean to, like, completely discount the other two expansions, but Gun and Slinger and Mech and Pilot are fucking amazing. Oh, that's my <laughs> final. That's my wrap-up. I that's love it. Wrap- okay. I'm going to buy myself a copy of this, too. More than, I mean, we have a BXP copy, basically, but I'm going to get yeah. one for me. We should... Would people be interested in us buying another copy and then basically raffling off a PDF of all the stuff that we've list, we've read so far? Like, is that a thing people <gasps> oh. would be interested in us doing? Uh, post in the comments. Several people are typing. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll do, like, a raffle later of, hey, we've got a copy of... Uh, we have a copy of Man, Man of the, the Stag. The full Gun and Slinger. Uh, I Although... think you can, will be able to buy paper copies of Gun and Slinger. I don't know that we can buy paper copies of Man and the Stag because that's just a little zine. Well, they're still actually like redoing the They're redoing Man it, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we can, we can definitely work that out, I think. Yeah. It's very easy for us to raffle off a PDF that we can oh, get yeah. to you just yeah. fine. Uh, we are trying not to send physical things because it will never get to you. Um, we know our limits yeah um i guess my my only critique of the actual content is that i don't know that the braids economy is is right oh no yeah okay so so somewhere in there it does say hey this isn't a game that's meant to be played forever you're supposed to just like tell a story and then be done uh and then also like to advance anything costs 10 braids and if you say yes to literally everything on the list and also fail a bu- and like heavily dependent having in a lot of braids is heavily dependent on you failing a lot yeah um which given the way stat modifiers work and the way deck math works is probably not going to happen as often as they think it does 
Yeah. Uh, unless the GM is specifically skewing the difficulty high. So, like, I feel like you're a little priced out of advancement for what is supposed to be a short game. Uh, and that's just True. my gut instinct from reading it. Like, I didn't sit down and sketch out the math because I never do that. I don't actually know how to do any math. I just have good sense for these things. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, like, that's the only thing that stands out to me as being potentially a problem. Everything else I really fucking like. I, I think my only critique is is it claims to be a game you can play without a GM, but doesn't really spend a lot oh, of time yeah, explaining how. Oh, yeah, right. It also how. doesn't tell you how to run the game without one. There's, like, no there's no page dedicated to just GMless play. It, it only mentions how to blind pay without one. But uh, both of those, honestly, like... Seems like something you could fix with uh, with just a little. Well, aside from braid economy, like you're you're right that it builds itself as something you play episodically for short stories. Yeah. So I wonder if you shouldn't just do oh, what's the phrase when you advance oh, at certain events? Yeah, you oh, milestone. Milestone. But you shouldn't just so do like, milestone, but still give you braids for things like dramatic edits and shit. Yeah. So so braids seem like they're just a reach too far because it seems like you're supposed to have a ton of them, and then the way you gain them is super slow because it's also mm-hmm. like they're actually a physical object in game and you can sell them for cash and get widgets and whatnot and i'm like where do you think i'm getting all these braids from to both advance my character <laughs> and also buy widgets just adjust the braid economy that's that's yeah. the one thing i'm but that pinged my developer senses <laughs> <laughs> but that's—I mean—that's it. This is a this is a beautiful game. Oh I'm yeah, really it's looking a beautiful forward game. to. You should buy it. Inevitably playing playing it with Monica when we could find a third person to to play with us. Uh, this is. Uh, let me post the link again, and then I'll read it off for people who are looking to purchase. That's in our mid episode break Discord. For those of you who are listening after the live show, you can purchase Gun and Slinger at Fork Twenty dot itch.io slash gun hyphen and hyphen slinger or just google gun and slinger game and it's like the first yeah result. <laughs> uh, so we have to do our what would normally be our mid-episode break but it'll be our end of episode oh, fuck be our end, our, of, <laughs> end of episode wrap up i guess bonus experience is brought to you by the misdirected mark network ding thank you i lost the outline where'd it go <laughs> <laughs> Hey, become a BXP patron. Patrons Thank you. get to Thank chat you. with us directly. Special Discord roles and exclusive hangouts like this one happening right now. Uh, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month, which gets you all that. I was going to say that. and more, but there, I don't know that there is an and more. We release an extended cut of every episode to all patrons. So yeah, I guess that's yeah, the and yeah, more. Yeah. If you'd rather support bonus experience without committing to monthly payments, you can still buy a coffee at ko-fi.com slash bonus exp. And buy our stuff. Go to bxpcast.com slash bxpswag and check out our merch page. And don't forget that BXP is sponsored by Nerdy Kepi. And we will soon, hopefully, have a BXP store on Nerdy Kepi. I'm still waiting for the samples of all the, like, little things to come in, like the keychain and the fidget spinner. I think they were all on the Ever Given. I think they were. (laughs) I have so many things I got from Nerdy Kepi. God damn it. I have so many things I got from Nerdy Kepi that have not come yet, and I'm pretty sure it was because the big fat boat was blocking the sewers. But anyway. (laughs) We all love the big fat boat, and we are sad that it moves now. Yeah, it it moved. Thank God. You can get all kinds of rad queer swag and then eventually BXP stuff, which will be exclusive to Nerdy Kepi. Yep, yep. We're not going to be on Redbubble because we hate it. Yep, we hate it. (laughs) Redbubble. 
I couldn't come up with anything, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Remember to use code BXPCAST at checkout for 10% off, which never expires. Uh, saying nice saying things is always nice free. Saying nice things is always free. Yeah, you, <laughs> you want to do this? Saying nice things is always free. Leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Google or wherever. It helps us get more listeners. And spreading uh, by word of mouth is also great. We've had a couple people join our Discord from other Discords and then be like, who are these people and why are they such a hot mess? And how could they possibly have a podcast? And now here you are listening to us do our podcast, still wondering these things. No answer in sight. <laughs> please, please give us a dollar. If you like bonus experience, you'll also like Mastering Dungeons. RPG right, veterans and game designers Teo Sabadia <laughs> and Sean Merwin look at the game and the hobby of D&D from a variety of viewpoints, reporting the news, understanding the business, reviewing the products, and illuminating the design. Whether you're a fan, a player, a DM, or a designer, Sean and Teos cover topics of interest to you. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Do we, like, want to... Do our little closer? Do Okay. Monica? Yeah. Where can they find our show? They can find the show at bxpcast.com, part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Second Bing. How about emailing us? If you want to email us with game recs or disagree with our assessment of the braid economy, you can send us an email to <laughs> bonusexpcast at gmail.com. What about Twitter, though? Please send us cat pictures, add us in stupid arguments, mm -hmm. at bonusexpcast on Twitter. Yes, I will not check it. Um, we will not how about how about you individually how about if I just wanted to follow Monica if you want to just follow me and I made a joke about not noticing whether or not you lose followers but I'm pretty sure 12 people unfollowed me for sharing the adventure kickstarter oh, oh either boy. that or being pro trans rights and either way fuck you yeah uh, either way get the fuck out out yeah <laughs> People really got to read my bio and pin tweets before they follow me. Read my bio and pin <laughs> tweets before you follow me. Uh, at Zenith Sun. You could follow me. I'm Ray W. Cole. I'm going to tweet the same shit Monica tweets. So, <laughs> But then also, like, I don't know. Sometimes I do stupid shit and talk about my kids. That's what you can expect on my Twitter. <laughs> and that's um, that's it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We did it. Cool. All yeah, right. We did, we, hey, we started late, and that was exactly an hour. I'm proud of us. Hey. hey, hey. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. Yeah. Thanks, um, everybody. This was a great use of the stage channel. I like it very much, uh, and I think we'll be using it for our live shows going forward. So, yeah, everybody, get out. Nice. Get out of here. Go home. Go do something else. And change it if you want to. Change it if you want to. Just... Don't and don't break it if it's not broken. No, no, wrong. You break it if it's not broken. Wait, no, it's don't break if it if it's, it's not broken. Don't break it if it's, if it's not, not broken. Break it if it's not broken. Don't break it if it's not broken. Fuck. Really? You're making me do this again? Okay, fine. Bonus Experience is written and produced by Monica and Ray, and edited by Margaret. But you didn't even give me you didn't even give me credit. I had to do it myself. Anyway, our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. 
our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons license. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. What? No. No, I'm not making a stupid game pun. Bye.